Welcome to Get Amplified from the Amplified Group, the podcast for tech industry leaders and aspiring leaders who want to help their companies execute faster. As always, we're virtual. I'm at home in Buckinghamshire. Vicky's in Deeper Stark, Stocksfordshire. So, Vic, who have we got on the podcast today? Well, today I'm going to ask the person that I'm about to introduce to put their fingers in their ears because they might just be like, oh, gosh, Vic, really? So, I have wanted this guest since we started the podcast because I just have so much respect for them. And I have learned and often repeat a lot of things that I heard from them on the VMware Partner Advisory Council in the past. And I have so much respect because they're so articulate, so smart, but also demonstrate for me what a woman in business should be like because they're tough but seriously kind with it. Our guest is Sam Mudd from Phoenix. So Sam is the MD of Phoenix and I've known her for a long time and as we were just warming up to to start the recording she just said this is just like having a coffee with with two friends so that is I think how the podcast is going to go today I say I wanted her on the podcast when we started out recently we recorded a podcast with Rebecca Fox and the title of that podcast was kind girls can get the corner office and it was great to have Rebecca on but actually having somebody from the tech industry as that is our target audience is so important Um, and hence the topic that we're going to talk about today is if you look after your people you can enjoy the business results and Sam I'm really looking forward to hearing just how you lead the team at Phoenix. Thank you Vicky and thank you Sam I'm absolutely honoured and delighted to be your guest and I promise I haven't paid Vicky (laughs) 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 <laughs> to say those really kind words. So from Brilliant. one kind lady to another kind lady, I'm, I, I graciously uh, <laughs> accept your, your kind introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. It's a total loving today because I, I have very happy memories of both of you ladies from the, uh, the VMware Partner Advisory Council and all the, all the good work that we did keeping the Americans in check, which was mostly what we were responsible for, I felt. So, Sam, would you mind by perhaps giving us a, a potted career history? So, you know, I, I know you from your, your, your Phoenix days, but how did you get to where you are? Sure. Oh, thank you, Sam. Yes. Um, so I'm currently the managing director of Phoenix Software. I joined the organisation nearly 18 years ago, having had my second child and I was looking for a, a, a new challenge. I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. But in terms of a potted history, I, I can go back as far as being a 19-year-old student who had just completed her A-levels and I was taking a gap year. And I'd gone out to Tenerife to sell some timeshares, run out of money, came home by Christmas, at which point my father and my mum said, so what are you going to do with the rest of your gap year? And I didn't really have a plan. And uh, my father said, well, you're not, you're not lying around for the next nine months before you go off to university. Um, I'm starting up a, a software company. Uh, you can come and work for me. So that, that, that was supposed to be a short-term gig. Uh, and I was going to work my way through some yellow pages and start phoning up people and asking them if they wanted to buy a copy of SuperCalc for £99 or something along those lines. It, it, you know, it was, it was uh, quite new stuff at the time. 
remembering we're talking probably the 1989-1990. It was the uh, beginning of the explosion of uh, PCs landing on desks and people needing software to run on those PCs. Um, that's really funny. I was sitting here smiling because that sounds very much like my start at Softcat. <laughs> but uh, admittedly, that was a, a few years later, and it and it was, you know, it was early iterations of Microsoft Office, but you know, very yeah. similar. There's the phone book. Phone some people and tell them they need to buy some software. Exactly. You know, it was it was uh, it was fantastic. And, and my father had started this this company, um, and I was working with three other women, and we were literally just you know pounding the phones, and we were starting to hit targets and uh, you know move on a year or two. We really started to build up a fantastic business that was focused on on certain sectors, police, NHS, and so on, and I've. I had a flair for selling. I didn't know it, you know, when I went into it, but but I was really loving it. Uh, at this point, um, I'd hit targets. I had a little company car. I was going out and seeing customers, and I enjoyed all of that bit. Um, and then I got a call from my father one day who <laughs> called me into his office and said, you're fired. And I said, what? What are you talking about? And he said, no, no, no. He said, this was never the plan. You were supposed to go to university. And if you don't, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life. I, I just know it. And I would hate to be responsible for you never having done the degree that you, you so passionately wanted to do, which was psychology. So anyway, I said, you're joking me. And he wasn't. He fired me. And off I went to Nottingham. I did my degree in psychology, thoroughly enjoyed all of that. But I carried on working in IT throughout that period because I'd at that time then got a, a small flat and a mortgage and I had bills and outgoing so I cut I negotiated with my father actually and said look I'll go off to university but I want to come back and still work you know uh, in, in in the holidays I need I need money and I want to keep my my toe in the water with IT so that's what I did and then at the end of it um, I was hired by WordPerfect looking for a channel manager uh, a northern rep so that just suited me perfectly because I wanted to break free from the, the family business if you want to call it that and get on with my own career. And that's 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 what I've done ever since. I'm really proud that my father gave me that kick up the bum, if you like, and fired me, <laughs> Alan Sugar style. And uh, I'm, I'm pleased that everything I've achieved since then, I can credit my own, you know, sort of effort and determination, uh, you know, with, with, with having focused on what I wanted. So WordPerfect hired me, became a, a rep on the road, a, if you like, a warrior up and down uh, into Scotland, back down to, to Weybridge in Surrey. Uh, then we were bought by Novell. And to cut a long story short, eventually I worked my way up to become the uh, the UK channel manager, reporting into the then general manager, which was fantastic. You know, I, I working with the team and, you know, running all of our platinum partners and loving the tech side, working with the technical teams as well. I was really highly invested in all of that and thought, this is it. I found, I found my passion. However, it wasn't conducive to having a family. And at that point, I had married my husband. We live in Yorkshire and I was on the road on a Sunday, staying in hotels till Thursday. And there was no way we were going to be able to have a family, you know, in those um, circumstances. So I relocated my career back up north and had a a short stint at Trustmark as the sales director before Phoenix uh, swooped in and said, actually, we'd love you to head up our solution sales. Um, You know, we, we have a strategy for going forward with technical solutions, but we need somebody to come and drive that forward. Are you interested? And that suited me. And that that's pretty much the potted history, if you like, of how I how I ended up at Phoenix coming in. And that was joining joining them in 2003. Is your dad's business still going? 
Well, he sold the business, uh, bought the business back again, sold it. (laughs) (laughs) He's been retired for for, uh, crikey, 19 years. um, So well out of IT now. Uh, But but that business, as as you probably know, became part of uh, Capita. So Uh, okay. Software Corporation cool. became Trustmark. Trustmark was then the, the Capita entity. Uh, yeah, okay. So some, some of that kind of predates my tenure, so it's good to have that, good that cleared up. I didn't, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't necessarily and, know that background. Yeah, it's interesting that I think people don't know why there's such a concentration of software resellers in York, but it absolutely goes back to those early days. My father's business, Software Corporation, was the first software reseller to start up, and then quickly, within the same year, you had Software Box, Phoenix, uh, that started up. And, and, and they were really all spin-offs, if you like, from having been part of Aslan in, in the early days. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could give you other company names before that, Hardware Corporation and yeah. amalgamation of lots of other companies. Um, but, but that is the reason why there is such a concentration of IT companies in York. It goes right back to those, those 1990 uh, people, those founding people that, that came out of that business. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I can see how one business might beget further businesses. I, I remember, I mean, this is relatively early days of SoftCat, maybe four or five years into Martin's involvement. And we were, the management team or the director team, were remarking on the fact that there were ex-computer centre people absolutely blooming everywhere throughout the industry. And I, I think it was me, but it could well have been somebody else, said to him, Martin, do you think in years to come there'll be soft cat people everywhere, you know, in senior roles and running their own business? And he looked at looked at us. He said, "Nah, you lot are rubbish." <laughs> <laughs> typical Martin, typical Martin management style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and loyal and loyal to the soft cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love it, love it. So you're clearly as passionate about Phoenix as I am about about SoftCat, what makes it special? Most people are going to say it's 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 the staff. And I, I, I think you could almost go back to the founders of the company, which was two women. And you know, they they put people at the heart of everything they 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 were doing back then, which was rather unique actually, you know, in a cutthroat PC era that were, um, you know, most companies were being run by men. Here were two women that had decided to go into a business they, they didn't really know a lot about and, and, and off they went and they started to enjoy success. And I think they were incredibly grateful for all of the people that worked with them, which largely were women. So that that Phoenix DNA, I, I absolutely credit it back to um, those days, Suzanne Marshall and Jan Drinkle, who are now both retired. But um, just if I can give you an example of, you know, how how they treated the staff. When I joined Phoenix back in 2003, I'd only been with the company two two months, so call it eight weeks. And they announced that they were taking all the managers off uh, to South Africa, to Cape Town for a weekend break and then a safari. And, you know, all of this was going to go on within a matter of weeks in the new year. And I thought, well, that possibly can't involve me because I've only just joined the company. You know, what, how on earth would I be eligible for that? And anyway, they, they did take me and they shipped out 20 managers on this fantastic trip 
Um, and they did multiple type of events like that throughout the year. And, and for me, that was that was rather nice to see, because whilst I'd enjoyed some of that at Word Perfect and, and Navelle, you didn't, well, I didn't see a lot of that, you know, as a channel manager going on in the channel at the time. You know, we've tried to continue that same emphasis of let the staff know that they're highly valued. We've got an awful lot of long standing members that have been there 10 years, 15, 25, as well as all of the new recruits, the the young talent coming through. And there's a real blend of that. But I think that stability and people that have demonstrated loyalty, some people have left us and they've come back again. You know, that sort of collegiate culture is something that really is is special at Phoenix. And, And I say that because I'm proud of it, but I also hear vendors come and go and say, you know, God, it's great here. You know, and, and, yeah. and it's hard to put your finger on it because yeah. we, we get on with it. We collaborate. We we try and do business the best way we know how to do it. But clearly there's, there's some ingredient there that other people look at and think, I, you know, that's good. That's good. Yeah. It's not dissimilar to the Softcat ethos, really, is it? You know, the, the, Absolutely. The, the two, two very similar organizations. And, yeah, a lot of companies, particularly maybe in vendor land, those trips and incentives and things are focused on the salespeople. Whereas it sounds like for you guys, it was much more than salespeople for Softcat. It always was, you know, not just those with the target, but, you know, IT, purchasing, finance, people would go based on how good a job they did. And I I just thought that was great. It wasn't just the, you know, the, the top people who were earning the big bucks anyway. No, absolutely. You know, you could be the developer that's been there supporting the systems for the last 20 years or, or, or or the HR manager. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes yeah. sense. Vicky, you look like you're about to say something. Yeah, Just enjoying checking. this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, you came on board um, to start this solutions business. What were your priorities when you first started? Oh, well, if I if I could sort of jump jump forward a few years, I, th- I think I think. I came in and I was just head down doing my job. It was it was technically to try and drive. Um, more confidence on the sales side of the business to to match the technical capability, and of course we you know we we ramped up our commitment to some very strategic vendors like VMware and and Microsoft in that process. But I think that the the real catalyst for me prioritizing and putting my my print on the business came just over three years ago, where I, I, I mean I've been given the MD responsibility and status prior to that with, with, with the old owners. But the, the culture was still being driven, if you like, in, in, in that continued fashion. And when Bytes acquired us uh, back in 2017, Neil Murphy, who's, who's now our uh, group CEO, had said to me in the management team at the time, he, he he'd said, look, Sam, just get on and run the business. You know what works. You do what you need to do to lift the lid on this. And that was just a fantastic sort of green light for me to get on and do everything I, I had been wanting to do for many years before that, if I'm brutally honest. So, and, and, and it was about restating the values, the culture, uh, empowering people, getting the right people on the bus and getting some people off it. So had to make some difficult decisions, if I'm, if I'm honest, you know. Some... It, it happens occasionally. Yep. Um, you know, good people, but, you know, in terms of where we needed to go as a business and and what we needed to achieve, we had to restructure. And I I would actually say that it's it's taken two years for us to really move the needle and to look back and see the transformation that we've we've gone through 
in you know in that period and that's that's why for me the 2017 that watershed moment of bites buying us and then you know the potential that we had within the business being realized people that i knew had the talent and i just had to give them the authority to get on and do the job yeah. i knew yeah. they could get on and do it and and forget the old ways but this was a new era and 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 to move all that forward and to supplement that with some training and a vision and yeah. you know the direction and of some, inve- some investment in the right people and that absolutely and, yeah. Yeah. yeah no that makes yeah. sense what, what do you think was holding you back certainly not understanding the landscape of change that was going on in IT, the shift towards cloud, the aggressive need to uh, invest in managed services and lots of other value-add areas, uh, an immense need to trust the staff and scale and grow and get ready for the next level of, of growth. Yeah. But, you know, for me, that the writing was on the wall. Some very specific and intentional changes needed to be made in the business or I was going to lose interest as well. Yeah. There was a combination of of things that that made for compelling reason to look at where we were going, who we were, and, and, and what our destiny was. Now, Phoenix has always been focused on public sector. You know, that has been our identity. But I doubled down on that. The moment Bytes brought us, that was a wonderful opportunity for us to say, what is our purpose? What do we stand for? And, you know, why, why should customers come to Phoenix? And we actually dispensed of our corporate business. We thought, look, Bytes can do a better job with that. Why don't we just, sense, yeah. you know, being who, who we know we are and what, what we do very well. And that's paid dividends because all, all we've done over the last three years is go more subvertical, more intently in, into those sectors with more passion and with more drive for customer outcomes. So again, that comes back to when I had the opportunity to restate our vision and our ambition, it was to give us that very clear identity. And once you've got that story, once you've got that ability to communicate clearly with your staff and your customers, it's then a case of just re-communicating, re-communicating, you know, how you're performing against that vision. Yeah, until it becomes gospel truth. That's so good to hear. And if I relate that, I mean, obviously the Amplified Group is, is in its infancy in comparison with what you've just described there, Sam. It's taken us three years, I think, to really figure out what it is that we do and where we we drive the most value and it's only now that we've figured out that actually what we do is we help tech companies execute faster we know we can work with other teams in other in other verticals but actually this is where we know we can make the biggest difference and so we're saying no to other other business so yeah that's really good to hear yeah no know what you do well and yeah but <laughs> yeah Sounds simple, doesn't it? <laughs> but it is simplicity is one of our key things. It has to be. Yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah. Mark Templeton said on on the podcast that we recorded with him, the more simple you make things, the faster you can go. Yeah. <laughs> we are sticking with that. So, I mean, you know, we've kind of covered an awful lot of that, but culture, that's clearly mm. the, the most important thing within a business, yeah. in your opinion. Yeah, yeah. The culture... It's something you want to preserve. It's something you want to protect. It's something I talk you know, relentlessly about, you know, when I'm hiring people. It's it's about the work hard ethic, but we'll have fun. We'll collaborate and support one another. We want people to walk through the door and give us their best. We, we don't want them to be afraid when they come to work. We want them to try things. They can make mistakes. You know, that's okay. We can move on. We learn. We'll develop. We'll invest. And 
you know, all of that for me are the ingredients of culture that attracts people that want to thrive and wants, they want to develop, they want to improve. It's also okay, by the way, for people to just carry on doing what they do for many, many years. Not everybody has to be aspirational and be in, want to be a CEO or, or, or a divisional leader. But generally, what we want to do is excite people and we want them to bring passion to work. And, and, and that's, that's culture, isn't it? You know, it's... Yes. How do you relate to your colleagues? How do I relate to my boss? How do I communicate, you know, to the staff? Does everyone feel comfortable to be who they are? Can they be authentic? If I turn up to work every day and and Sam's authentic, well, that's okay for everybody else to be the same. It sets the tone. Yeah. And I think you you do do that. That, you know, that's why we wanted you on the podcast. It's because you just set such a great example. Well, I, I try not to take myself too seriously. I'm not the most intelligent person on this planet. I never will be, but I work hard and I'll respect people and I'll do my best and I'll give 110% every day. And I think if you show up and demonstrate that day after day, the, st- the staff, you know- Get know, confidence. They're confident in it. Yeah. yeah. And it's not and lip service. It's seeing it and believing it versus just hearing and people, it. And people feel that they let you down if they let themselves down. Yeah, and, and, and do it with humility. You know, I mean, you, you two will both know I, I, I love humour. I, I, I rarely can get through a meeting, you know, internally without fits of giggles, throwing throwing a little statement here or there or pulling a joke. Even, you know, it, to, to me, that's the fun of, of yeah. interacting, you know, with other people, the banter, the, you know. Make the world go round. All, all of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't take anything too seriously because I want every moment to be enjoyable for myself, the staff, the customers, the suppliers. Um, you know, you want to go to bed on a night and think, yeah, that was a good day. Yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> I think that we should change the title of this podcast to make every every moment at work enjoyable. Yeah, make maybe. It count. <coughs> it's a good title. Make it count. Yeah, make it maybe count. A good title. Yeah. So one thing that's interesting is, Obviously, my experience with SoftCap, we never acquired, we never sold, we never, you know, we never did that sort of thing. It was all organic growth. You know, you've been through a pretty significant period of change where the, the founders of the business and those who originally set the tone have gone, presumably completely, albeit having left, left a legacy that to some extent you carry on and shape in your, you know, with your own vision. And then you become part of another organisation entirely, albeit I'm given to understand that you are... You, you continue to be run as a discrete entity. Correct. Um, that's a lot of change, though, for the people within that business to go through. How do you keep the kind of the, the trust going, the empowerment going? How do you keep people on board through all of that? Yeah, re- really good question, Sam. That that was top of my mind. Yeah, absolutely. As bites were acquiring, because obviously I've been involved in the the due diligence, and you know I I knew Neil Murphy, Keith Richardson, and and uh, you know other key members of the leadership team. So I, I knew that actually there was a lot of synergy culturally. We were very, very similar. Uh, anyone that knows Neil will know that he's he's got fantastic character. He's great fun, similar to Martin Halliwell. You know, they just get on and do the job, but they do it in a very down-to-earth way. In fact, Neil even used to call himself chief entertainment officer. <laughs> he saw his job to turn up to work and, you know, make sure Every day was 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 fun. So how did I help the transition in, into being part of the Bytes group? I communicated and I did my utmost to keep stability along with the transformation going in parallel. Now, that it might sound like an oxymoron that, you know, how, how do you do transformation and stability? Well, you can 
if you've got consistent messaging and consistent values and you know you are explaining why you're doing certain things within the business and as long as you take your senior leadership team with you so you make sure they're fully briefed that they're on the bus and they know where the bus's journey is going to and and all the rest of it and and if anyone's not comfortable with that that's that's okay you know that's the time to say well maybe you should get off the bus and and you know go go do what you want to do in the early days a couple of key personnel changes which were dealt with i think quite swiftly and then we allowed everything to settle down and then it was about the talent from within the business stepping up and when you've got people that have done jobs and you promote from within there's an awful lot of trust i think already established between Mm -hmm. staff and those members that are now stepping up to take more responsibility and that also demonstrates to people at the start of their career perhaps that ah there is development opportunity within this company. I can progress. Promoted, yeah. So actually, there's a good feel factor here with, I can see stuff moving far better than a stale organisation that's flat. And people are sat there thinking, I'd love to do more. I'd like to step up. I'd like to widen my responsibilities, but I don't know how to do it. So, So for me, this was all an opportunity to get that movement going. And We've had incredible success from the promotions from within people that had not done jobs that they're now doing before, but I knew they could do it. I mean, I've, I've watched the ascent of Ben Rayner. Yes. You know, who, who, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know what role he came in to do for you guys initially, but, you know, I knew I knew him as a techie. You know, he was a he was a, a tech for a service partner that we used. And now he's your... Director, director of solutions of, or something like that uh, and you know the director of managed services now yeah, Sam. yeah, yeah. we've yeah. widened his responsibility yeah you're, you're yeah. right and, you know really 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 good guy and yeah you know he was all he always had that entrepreneurial spirit and you know you and the phoenix team have clearly spotted that in him and harnessed it and off he's gone so, so beyond ben rayner I've, I've probably got 20 or more examples like yeah. that sam you know people that have been loyal understand the business understand what we're trying to achieve and the, the vision and yeah. they want to be a part of how us get there so no it's 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 been wonderful that's been the most enjoyable thing i think yeah. the transformation journey you know so that thing that kind of covers i suppose retention to some extent what about hiring you have to hire a fit culture clearly that's a difficult thing to do i yeah. know from bitter experience yes yeah i we don't get it right all the time but I think we've learned over the years, well, we know what works at Phoenix. We, we know attitudinally, you know, the type of person that's going to fit. We spend an awful lot of time in the selection process, in the interviewing, to make sure we're very clear about the job role and our expectations and, you know, what knowledge would be required. And if there's any gaps, how we'll fill those gaps, how we'll train or we'll, you know, we'll supplement them. So, I think largely it's a big bet. You know, when you put somebody in a seat at a table, it's a risk both ways, right? So we need to get it right because it's a massive investment of time on our part. doesn't matter whether you're talking junior or senior role. And equally on the person who's looking to be hired, it's, it's a big bet for them where they place their career. So we're always very grateful when somebody joins Phoenix because at that point, I know we've done our due diligence and we think they're right. And if we have to sometimes wait to fill a, a role, you know, I'll often say to staff, if, if they're not right, just wait. The right person will come along. We don't need to rush at this. 
Um, and I think that that has been our fatal mistake in the past. You know, you knee jerk into quickly, we need to fill that role. We need to scale, we need more people. And you quickly rush to market. And the, the homegrown talent has for us been really lovely to see, bringing in young people, training them and watching them divert their career maybe into different departments within the business, step up, take more responsibility. But the homegrown talent allows us to retain. If, if we can keep giving promotions to people, you're less likely to have that churn of, of going out to market, finding a competitor's uh, equivalent, bringing them in, finding culturally they don't fit or they think they know better and, and, and all of that. We all know the risks. So yeah, hiring is hard, but I do think with the pandemic and the lockdown recently, actually, this is maybe a great segue for <laughs> some more questions. We've widened our geographical thinking on where where people should reside yeah. because single headquarters in Pocklington and we used to think that everybody had to be Yorkshire-based, live near the office, commute into the office. You know, that was yeah. our DNA. And we've hired people around the country now. We've onboarded them remotely. And that has worked. So yeah. I think that's us confidence to, to, to just think about hiring differently in the future. Yeah, it's funny how the pandemic's done that, isn't it? Because when, mm. when I first started doing what I'm doing now, I said I've got an ambition to work in Buckinghamshire. <laughs> I said I've had global roles. I've had European roles. And now, not just want to work in the UK, I just want to work in Buckinghamshire. And funnily enough, through the pandemic, well, clearly Buckinghamshire wasn't, wasn't our audience for the tech audience that we're now in. But through the pandemic, we've gone global again. <laughs> and this podcast, even, we were in the charts in India and Australia and China, <laughs> America. It's just got, it's just mad how, it's how different things are... you're not You're not in seat 1A every, every uh, month, Sunday night. Yeah, 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 it's lovely. Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, so one of the themes that has run through previous episodes of Get Amplified is, is employee well-being, something I'm sure we're all very keen on. It's been a funny period from a mental health standpoint, I think, you know, not wanting to hark back to pandemic, hark on too much about the pandemic, but, you know, chunk of, of rapid change within the business. And then, a, you know, a worldwide event that's completely confused everything. When culture is that important, you know, you're sort of tearing people asunder and making them work over little screens and things like that. How do you cope with all of that? Well, thankfully, we, we had already started looking carefully at mental health as a theme. We'd already signed up to Mind. We were educating our leaders uh, last summer. This is the, the summer before the pandemic hit around these areas and how managers should, in their one-to-ones, be looking out for certain signals. So... In some respects, I've, I feel we'd already started that journey to let the staff know that it mattered and we were communicating back to all staff. So, so the point at which, you know, the pandemic kicked in, I had to send everybody home. It just ramped up our utter desire to make sure everybody was OK. And I can remember on that, that first day when we literally had to send the email to say Boris has made the announcement you know everybody vacate the building you know get your equipment get your laptops go home and we will be in touch I literally filmed that message on my phone in my office and I could I can remember being quite emotional about it but you know I, I, I wanted to tell the staff it was going to be okay and you know to look after themselves and their family and, you know, we would get through this. And that, and that was just my first instinct was to reach out quickly to everybody 
and just tell them we'd all be okay. Now, I didn't know back then because this was March. <laughs> Here we are nearly a year on and I'd still be doing these videos. <laughs> <laughs> Which, but, but, you know, I think that that just sort of illustrates, hopefully, the culture in Phoenix that we'd fostered, which is we care, we all want to look after each other. And, um, you know, lots of other companies have done the same. I'm not, I'm not saying we're unique, but it was then a, a, a case of, you know, what can we do at, at certain points throughout the year to, to make the staff know that we're thinking about them. So we've been thinking up, you know, things like little care packages. What do we do at Christmas? What do we do at our 30th anniversary? Because we were supposed to have a big party that was canceled. Okay, we sh shipped a box of champagne out. We've held virtual parties. We've done an awful lot of what other companies have done and we've all showcased it on LinkedIn and social media. So I'm not, I am not saying we're special, but from the get-go, that theme was we care and we're going to keep in contact. And, and, and that was my, my mantra. So little things like, um, not every week, but almost every week, I will send a, a TED talk out to all the staff and say, look, here, here's something you might find interesting if you have the time to watch. And I'll just pick out themes that I think might help them, you know, throughout, think about things in a different way. We also have dedicated a senior member of staff who was in our HR department to become the employee engagement and welfare officer. And his sole role every day is to make sure all of our staff are okay. And he's putting in calls to people, um, you know, Monday through to Friday, catching up and making sure people are okay. And also with with new new staff when we onboard them virtually. This is, yeah. this is well, that's really difficult. That's a totally a whole oh, new world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and we've had to work really hard at that. You know, with a we, we had thank goodness a learning management system already in place where it was well stocked with all the collateral and the tutorials and everything we would want to train somebody on. But that in itself is. Is quite clinical so we've got to make sure that the interaction's going on and, and yeah. you know we dedicated as i say this senior member of staff to, to make sure everybody's okay we've set up networks which we were already running ad hoc uh, around diversity mental health and other things but we've we've coordinated them so that they're now run by staff members and then the staff can find a voice to tell the business how we should improve and so we're on a yeah, makes sense. Journey, if you like. I don't ever see us being the done deal. I am always looking for improvements, and the staff are the first to tell us where where we can get those improvements, those those quick wins, which is wonderful. And the yeah, the, and and the environment involves, and you know, we might get to the bottom of mental health to some extent, but we'll be on to the next thing that we need to fix that we didn't know we needed to fix, which yeah. is. You know, it's it's all good because it you know it moves things forward and makes businesses better. The, yeah. the way I the way I see it with that stuff is you know you've got a I don't know whether you call it cultural credit or emotional credit or whatever and and an organisation like Phoenix for twenty five years building that up and you know you've got so much credit in the back and then the pandemic comes in and it starts to debit from that bank account. Yes. It, you know, you, but fortunately for you guys and, and for Softcat and for, for others, I hope, you know, you've built up enough credit to weather the storm until hopefully June or July and we'll start to get, you know, you can top that bank up with online events yeah. and acts and things like that. It's not quite the same as getting everybody together and having fun, but 
I, I fear for organisations who haven't got that or didn't have that credit in the bank in mm. February and March last year. Mm. You're, you're right, Sam, and I feel like that, if I'm honest, with some of the new starters. So, so yeah. for, for, for members of staff that have been with us 10 or 20 or 30 years, you know, and, and, and suddenly they hit a lull, you know, whatever, problems in their life, you've, you've had that historical knowledge to know that this is, this is quite unique or they're dealing with a very special situation and you want to support them to the hill. Of course, when you're hiring new people, you don't know them as well. So it's incumbent on the manager to get, get to know them fast. But you, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's almost we're a 30-year-old company trying to have a startup mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, really difficult with new people. They come in at zero. So if they have a tough time, they rapidly go into their, their cultural or their emotional overdraft, as it were. Yeah. yeah, no, really interesting. Well, I mean, it seems like you're doing a, a, a fantastic job and the business is stronger than ever by the sounds of things. Well, yes, it is in the sense that, well, let's, let's talk about the two, the two elements here. Um, from, from a, an employee engagement point of view, yes, because we've run surveys, best companies, consecutive years running. We, you know, we've, we've, we've done one within the last six months and employee engagement has been extremely high. And even within a pandemic, you know, we've had some exceptional results. So thank goodness, that was a massive relief for me. However, we take that feedback and we constantly are working on it and trying to improve, like I've just said. So that's that's the people side, you know, the staff, the most important bit, the most expensive asset that walks through the door every day. <laughs> and there's the business results that, you know, you drive off the back of that. And Thankfully, uh, we've had a we've had a very robust year, and we will be wrapping up our financial year in a matter of days. And I'm delighted with you know the growth in revenue, um, the operating profit, which I'm not allowed to. <laughs> of course not. Yeah, absolutely. PLC. But but more than that, we've been hiring. We've been hiring people throughout the pandemic, and yeah. I think that's a really important signal to the outside world and and to our staff because as we we've hit pinch points, shall I call it that, you know, where people have been stressed or we've been, um, you know, hitting bottlenecks in the business. Our way of dealing with that has been to say to, to, to the staff, we'll look after you. Let us go and hire more people to come and help. Yeah. We, don't, we don't want you getting ill. We don't want you working, you know, stupid hours, keeling over, making yourself ill. Please let us go and hire in some more people now and we'll we'll scale this business. And that that is important, I think. This the pandemic has certainly taught us to really look after the staff more than we, we were probably doing a year ago. We thought we were being caring, but now we are super laser focused on yeah. is everybody okay? Are we all fit? Are we all fit for the match? If you if you know, because <laughs> yeah. Sam, isn't he? Yeah. It's, you know, yeah, you turn no, no, up every day. It's 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 hard. That, that that makes sense that you know and, it, and if you get that right through a, a pandemic period which it sounds like you have done you have every opportunity to slingshot ahead even further once things start to normalize i reckon hopefully hopefully yeah but yeah. you never know what's around the corner do you yeah you never know you never you know what's going, yeah and, and i guess your public sector focus has been a bit of positive because you know i know public sector has been strong there's been some investment there and you know yeah. long may that continue yeah, really no, so yeah, no, we've 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 tried to step up and we've tried to serve public sector as best as we could. Yeah. You know, all of the verticals that we represent, we've we've intimately stepped forward and been passionate about trying to not just do stuff for for the bottom line, but to mm. on and and be generous with our support to them, really help them get through 
this tough year. For example, char charities, you know, it's, it's, that's one of our subsectors that we presided over for, for decades. They're having an awful time. Mm. And, um, you know, we've, we've kind of dedicated a lot of resource and time and effort to just tool them up, give them as much advice, give them access to free software wherever it's available from Microsoft and, you know, other, uh, yeah. other organizations. And, and that, that has been our endeavor this year, because you just know that years down the line, that, that lawyer food, it, it, it'll, it'll come back somehow. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Treat your customers well and they'll buy stuff off you yeah. when they possibly can. You know, that's a, a good mantra to have. You know, I've been thinking about a, a blog that I'm writing, an article that I'm writing at the minute, and the article is headed at, should I change my title to Chief Caring Officer? And actually, having just heard what you've just talked about, Sam, it is about caring, isn't it, for, for your staff and for your customers? Yeah, I suppose my my passion is for people, and that's yeah. my fact I, I did a degree in psychology. I just I just love people. And so as long as we're all interested in the welfare of one another and we yeah. all want the best for each other, we will all succeed and produce great results. So yes. I, you, you start with the people and the rest should follow. Follow. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you're, well, you're, you're proofing that. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing in a month or so's time how your year end has gone, because that's going to be the proof <laughs> in the pudding for you, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> as, as will the next two, three years. Yeah. You know, see, yeah. see how we did through that. The longevity year. of it. And yeah. it being sustainable. Exactly. Really Absolutely. And that and, and again, you know, that goes back to the point I think I was making. You know, you just you need to make sure that staff don't burn out. This has been a tough year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. We could it all really sit at our laptops, we could all work twelve hours a day, seven days a week or more if we wanted. I'm not sure that's conducive to, no. to no. No. I'm, I'm mostly retired and it's been a tough year for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed to say that. <laughs> No, it's all good it's all good so we we should uh, probably start to draw this to a conclusion and give you back some time to uh, go and finalize your uh, end of financial year stuff um <laughs> clearly that stuff is important do you want to help us wrap up wrap up by giving us maybe three three key takeaways on building culture yeah i think build the trust with your leadership team and the staff communicate highly communicate consistently and be authentic that was so concise. You see, well, how did I start this? I said, Sam is so articulate. You know, we've had some really incredible guests on Sam, but nobody has wrapped up their three <laughs> takeaways as articulately as that. She's obviously, she's obviously bored with this, Vicky, and I can't say I blame her. <laughs> it must be that Yorkshire just say how it is. Yeah. yeah love it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely love it. <laughs> I'm sure. <Thanks. laughs> so, Vicky, before we uh, before we wrap it up, um, do you want to take us into hero time? Yes, thank you. So, oh. hero time is about just starting to better understand what inspires you, Sam. So, we mm -hmm. hero is our little emblem at the Amplified Group. He's a stick man. And it's because we like to turn our clients into heroes. So your hero can be anyone. It really, from somebody that's helped you today to someone that's inspired you in the past. So give us an insight. Well, it depends, you know, it depends what book I've read and what year yeah. you 
through this question. <laughs> so today, so today. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to say my father because okay. he he bet on me as a female, you know, at a young age, mm-hmm. and yet he fired me. But he's been utterly supportive and interested in me and my career. And he's kept telling me, you can do it. Just believe in yourself. And I, and I, and I think, you know, that that's kind of devotion from a father, you know, to a daughter or son is, 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 is wonderful. Same for a mother, you know, sorry, my mum my is just a supportive, but my, my, my father was the business role model for me. And I think still to this day, even though he's been retired for two decades, he got me into this industry. So he's my hero. Brilliant. Love it. Very nice. Succinct and concise and elegant once more. (laughs) Yes. Fantastic. That was brilliant. I mean, obviously it's great, Sam, to catch up with you, but that was also totally wonderful. So thank you. Oh, thank you both. No, it's been, been, like I say, it's been lovely. It remains for me to say thank you to our listeners for joining us on Get Amplified from the Amplified Group. Your comments and your subscriptions are, as always, gratefully received.